0: Where are all the little people going? <laughs> I'm gonna get self-conscious watching everybody walk out. Well. I might use a big five-dollar word or something that'll scare them off anyway. to scare me off because I don't know what it means. Anyway, we're gonna be in uh, Second Timothy today primarily. Uh, this is a c'est la vie type of a swan song, if you will. Uh, not exactly leaving the church yet, but this will be the final message that I bring to uh, First Baptist Church as the uh, senior pastor. My status will uh, change next week. And uh, in so doing, I wanted to um, share a passage that uh, that I feel is... Uh, appropriate for such a time as this. Paul, when he came to the end of his ministry, had many things that he wanted to say, and he wasn't always there to be able to share that. But he still thought of and prayed for people, and some of the letters that we have, some of the best letters that we have are uh, are his uh, pastoral epistles. And those were to encourage young ministers or ministers that took over for him to... Continue on and take the charge and not be afraid and to minister as solid soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, when he wrote his first letter to Timothy, was primarily concerned about encouraging Timothy. Timothy, you know, and, and we, we talk about that, I think, in the fourth chapter of 1 Timothy's telling him not to, or whatever chapter it is not to let anybody look down on him because of his youth and so forth, but in, and he begins to, to tell him to continue to preach and not to be discouraged and to not, not be afraid of any of these things, but speak boldly the word of truth. And in his second epistle, Paul to the younger Timothy, as Timothy is trying to lead the church at Ephesus, Paul is now in prison, and Paul is still trying to encourage the younger Timothy as he ministers to a newly developing church. And he's talking to, to Timothy to encourage him and to be strong and all that same encouragement. But he gave him an awful lot of more, you know, there's more of a charge there. There was certainly a charge in 1 Timothy. There's another charge in 2 Timothy. And with that charge, he gives him some meat, some body, some practical things to, to carry on with. And so I'd like to share some of those things this morning. But I want to begin that, that study uh, right in the middle of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you'll look at verse 16. Because, uh, and the reason I've gone there is because it's talking about the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk about the word of God, it needs to be supreme. That is our supreme guide. Other than the Holy Spirit Himself who gives us knowledge, how do we know God? How do we know God? Except through His Word. And that's what He's given to us. So we see here in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all Scripture, all Scripture, and by the way, when I say that, I don't want you to start thinking of the Bhatvat Gita or the Book of Mormon or some other word, but all Holy Scripture as we understand it from the Judeo-Christian point of view, the 66 books that we have in Scripture today, beginning with Genesis and ending, depending on your translation, normally it ends with the Book of the Revelation, But that's the scripture we're primarily talking about. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So scripture is meant for every facet of our life. It is God's word to people. It is Holy Spirit-inspired. It is breathed through Him when He speaks. Those are His words. And his words are who he is. Amen or no? Remember John? In the beginning was the word, right? And the word was with God. And the word was God. I hope I didn't steal your thunder. I know you're going to share that in, in December. But he's, by the way, book, uh, Jeremy's going to be going, hitting all the, the first chapters of each one of the gospels. Boom, 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 boom. It's good stuff, good stuff. But not only does John 1.1 1, 1 say that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was, you know, the Word was with God and the Word was God. It says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who are we talking about if not the Lord Jesus Christ? Around this time of year, Christmas time, many people think about God coming in the form of man and being born among us as a baby just like all the rest of us are born. He wasn't born 33 years old and then begin his ministry. He was born as a baby, like as us. And then he grew up to be a man, like us in physical appearance, but very much unlike us in that he never sinned. So as people think about Jesus this time of year, Yes, he was born as a baby, but he didn't remain that way. He grew up and became a man and taught us how we could live ourselves. And these are the things that he would have taught us. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. The next verse goes on to say, so that the man of God, Now, let me go ahead and insert this, and I hope nobody finds uh, offense to it. But it's not only the man of God, but every man of God, and every person of God, and every child of God, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Have you ever started a project? And you open up the box, and you see the parts, and I think I know it goes together this way. But what is this piece for and what have you? And that was the piece you should have put on before the one you put on that's permanent. Ah! This time of year, you think about that stuff. You're putting together all these little things and so forth. Sometimes, isn't it just better to go ahead and read the instructions, read the directions? Well, that's what this Word of God is. The Word of God gives us instruction for living. It gives us hope and teaching in how we should then live. If God took the time to tell us, to talk to us, to teach us, then shouldn't we not take the time also to listen, to hear, and to try and understand? You see, we were never meant to be placed out here. And I don't know, now what do I do? We weren't meant to be like that. We were meant to have direction. We were meant to know which way we're going. We were instructed so that we might abide by what God wants us to do. Verse 17 says, again, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'll give you half a second right now. To think about what I shared a little bit earlier about something you want to give thanks for, but before you do that, just take these out and look at them and see what you've done with them. Just kind of oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, maybe I should have helped somebody with them. You know, think about what you do with your hands, and they're constant reminders. You know how it's said that if you point your finger at somebody else, there's several more pointing back at you, and so forth. So that's one of those kinds of reminders. There's also reminders in prayer, and you, know, you can pray over your hand that way. But look at your hands. Just check them out for a half a second. What do you see? Hands that help. Hands that work. Hands that minister. Hands that touch others. Hands that care. Or something else. And if there's anything else there that's not going to the building up of the body of Christ, to the building up of your family, or edifying for God's kingdom, then let not your hands touch it or do that thing. The Bible says that Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for all these things so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Wow. That's where we begin with the word of God. That's where we begin with anyone who dares to be an overseer or, any, or a leader or the head of a home or whatever it, it happens to be. That's what we're looking at. If anybody despires to be an overseer, the scriptures tell us, he desires to do a good thing. He's doing something honorable and good and right. Let him do those things in, knowing what he's taking on for himself. Started to talk about first Timothy just a half a hair and you know, I don't know if Paul was just getting ready to go in prison or almost in prison or somewhere close to being in prison, but he was finishing up his earthly ministry. And he encouraged uh, Timothy, and this was right around 64 AD. When you get over to 66, 67, Paul is definitely in prison at this time. Definitely in a Roman prison cell. But he's taking the time to encourage the younger Timothy. I want to take you back to the beginning of 2 Timothy. And look at one of these scripture memory verses. Look at one of these scripture memory verses. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and the 7th verse. And maybe you've shared this with some people you know that are anxious. Troubled. Worried about this or that. Or afraid to stand up for the gospel. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, and you can highlight it, underline it, circle the verse, whatever you want to do. But remember it because it says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline or sound mind, depending on your particular translation. God did not give us a spirit of timidity. It is love that helps us to get up and, and speak out. Sometimes we're a little bit afraid. I don't know if I should talk to that person. What if they don't like what I have to say or maybe they won't accept me or whatever. Wait a minute. Do you love them? Do you really care for them? If you do, then you'll step out and you'll go ahead and you'll talk to them. And you'll tell them what really needs to be done. You ever see somebody got a big old fleck of, what is it, maybe parsley in their teeth and, you know. You know. You don't want to look at them or whatever, and you know do you tell them or not? you know I remember I was talking to a friend of mine you know who uh uh you know and <laughs> I was at a Starbucks saw a lady come out of the restroom, but I didn't want to notice, and so I'm looking over looking over what can we do because there's a trail of white uh, flowing tissue um and I didn't know what to say or where to look or what have you. Thank God there was another lady that goes over to her and quietly says, hey. And so it was taken care of. But what if that lady wasn't there? Would I or should I? I don't know. What's right with etiquette. But when it comes to really important things, like whether somebody is going to go to hell or not, whether somebody's going to be entering the kingdom of God or not, then maybe we should step out of our own comfort zone and go to them and show them that we care and share the love of Jesus with them and not being afraid. And I think that's why a passage like this is there for Timothy. So he wouldn't be timid, you know, for uh, because God didn't give us that spirit of timidity, but a power, love, and a sound mind. He wants us to be strong for his kingdom. Take that time to share. I was listening this morning. Somebody was talking on the radio about two boys. And one boy gets up early, and he's about 4 or 5 in the morning, whatever, real early. And he's preparing for his, his uh, paper route and so forth. Well, the other guy that's out there, you know, he's doing his papers too. And they come across a place where somebody had set out pies early in the morning to cool off. And, mm, you know, you know, oh, I don't want to take that. I don't want to get in trouble, you know. And God, if my, my dad finds out, he'll kill me. And the other kid says, If my dad finds out, he'll love me. And that's worse. Something to think about. He'll love me. And that's worse. Wow. Powerful. Good stuff. I want to take you over to chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. Chapter 2 and verse 2 has been a mantra of mine for years and years and years. Chapter 2 and verse 2 of Second Timothy says, And the things that you've heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to reliable men who will uh, also be qualified to teach others. That is just, some might call it in Reaganomics, trickle down, you know, economics, but that's the way God has it for His kingdom. And the things that you've heard from me, Paul is saying to Timothy, okay, Paul to Timothy, and the things that you've heard from me is in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Boom, boom, boom. It gets passed on. The kingdom of God is better for it. We grow and we learn And we're entrusting the truths of God to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Paul says in that first verse, You then, my son, he calls Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will be also qualified to teach others. So endure hardship with us like a soldier, a good soldier. Of Christ Jesus. And then he tells them a little story. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Okay? If you go out and you watch a football game today. And you see in the trenches. Eleven men against another eleven men. And they're going hard at it. You hear the grunts. You hear the pounds. You hear the sounds of padding, you know, or helmets or all these kinds of things. And it's a, they call it a gridiron, right? So in the middle of that, can you see some guy pulling out his cell phone and say, what was that, babe? You want me to bring home milk? Uh, Okay, and bread? You're not going to see it, right? Why? Because they're engaged in something very important at that time. They are in the middle of their work. And thank God for our soldiers overseas who are not stopping to do what you know what they might care to do they take a mission and they go with it and they can't turn back why because they're thinking of our safety here at home they want to make sure that they're not mindful of other things distraction could be deadly But they want to be purposeful and intent on accomplishing what the mission is. To ensure their own protection. To ensure the detriment of the enemy. But mainly, why did they go in the first place? Why did they enlist? By the way, we have an all-volunteer military, so we know they weren't drafted. These are people that wanted to go and stand out and put their bodies on the line. To protect you and I. Thank God for those kinds of soldiers. But you've all been enlisted to be soldiers in God's army. You've all been enlisted to serve in the Lord's army. And those that are called to serve cannot get distracted. We have important business to take care of. And those that have chosen to be overseers. Bishops. Shepherds. As Pastor Jeremy shared this morning. Desire a good thing, and they're the ones that need to lead the clarion call. Clear sounding, not a bunch of, you know, disorganized, you know, instruments that are all warming up at the same time at different places in the music piece, but one clear sound so that we know when to get up, so that we know when we need to march so far this church has had the good sense to call brother jeremy not only as associate pastor not only as one who's been coming alongside me and helping me but one who will take up that charge and continue to carry that the, the word of god forth for this church to continue to grow be strong he says And remain in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You get over to verse 14. In the first few words of this verse. Actually became the title for this morning's message. Keep reminding them of these things. By the way, when you get a minister up here and he shares and he's reading from the Word of God and maybe you've already read that passage, oh, I've already heard a message on that, oh, I've already studied that, oh, I've already read that, oh, I've already done my daily bread or whatever it is and so you've meditated on it. Give the man of God the opportunity to let him share what he studied and what he also wants to share. But give the Word of God its due credit whenever it comes up. And give the Spirit of God His honor and due as well. Because you don't know how such a word will speak to you anew and afresh at this new time. Wow. How many times has that happened to you? Oh, yeah, I was so familiar with that passage. I know it in and out. Wow. And by the way, I've been blessed too. There's been a couple of times, not many, a couple of times, a few times. Actually, several times. I'm going I'm to give credit. He just walked out of the room to help Brother Jose. Is several times I've given credit to uh, Brother Jeremy because he brings a freshness to some of the passages that I've known, studied, looked at, even preached on over the years. And that's what we all do to one another if we'll take that time. For the young men today, Psalm or Proverbs 27, okay? Just think about that. Go over to Proverbs 27. I forget which actual verse it is. But iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. That's what we do. We hone one another's skills. We remind one another of the word. And even as, even as Paul has shared with Timothy, for him to be strong, you be strong. Take up the charge. Don't be timid. Be about God's word and share that. And this passage here says, keep reminding them of these things. Peter says, it's no trouble to stir you up again by way of reminder. And so a lot of what we share, a lot of what we talk about in the scripture is not new. But Peter, like he says in his epistle, keep, you know, it's just not a problem for me. I'll continue to stir you up by way of reminder. I'll do that again and again and again, however long it takes. So Paul says here to Timothy, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God. Against quarreling uh, about words that are of no value, that only ruins those who listen. Do your best, he says, to present yourself to God as one approved. As one approved. Stamped. God approved. As one who doesn't have to be ashamed. A workman who doesn't need to be ashamed. Who correctly handles the word of truth. Or one who rightly divides the word of truth. So if you have in your midst. And by the way, I believe that you're fortunate in this particular church. To have someone. To have someone that will stand here with the word of God open. And share from this book and not from Uh, There was a flowery field over here, and um, oh my God, oh my God. If it's not coming from the Word of God, it shouldn't be coming out of the pulpit. Amen. Please, let me hear it. When I was a young Marine, one of the activities or jobs I got, and by the way, I got no less other work. I had to do all my other O311, and you know, MOSs know what an O311 is. I was a grunt, basic Marine Corps rifleman. <coughs> so I never got got off of any of those duties. But I also volunteered as a chaplain's assistant. See, the Marine Corps—they're just a, a fighting, mach- you know, a fighting unit, and all they train you for is war, for battle, for killing, destroying. And debilitating the enemy's resources. They don't have chaplains of their own. They require naval chaplains. So we had naval chaplains there. And I'm there helping them out and whatever, and this and that. And one of the you know, one of the preachers is getting up there, Presbyterian, and he's a naval chaplain, and he's preaching to everybody Sunday morning, right? And you think, oh, okay, so he's going to be sharing the Word of God. And for ten minutes, and that's how long his message was, ten minutes. For ten minutes it was, and we have coffee and donuts, and donuts, coffee, and maybe a little milk for the kids, and there's sprinkled ones, and there's round ones, and there's the long ones. Then there's the tasty ones, the ones that are not so sweet, and, you know, then there's the ones that are ungodly sweet, and. And did I mention we have coffee and donuts? Oh, my. For ten minutes, how do you do that? And you know, God liked donuts, or would have if he would have had one. Oh, man, there's a heavy responsibility if we're not faithful about the Word of God. I was telling Jeremy a little bit uh, earlier this morning that somebody called... And he was talking about, well, wait a minute, well, what, is your, what is your statement of faith here you know, at your church? I said, well, there's, that's a lot to get into. I'm busy this morning, but basically we believe in the New Hampshire you know, statement of faith and so forth. We're a mainline Christian denomination. Uh, we are of Southern Baptist uh, de- denominational faith but primarily what we talk about is the efficacy of Scripture, you know, the Lord's Church and talking about Jesus and so forth. Well, you know, these pulpits are anemic out there and I'm sick and tired of playing church and, you know, I could could turn on the TV if I want to be entertained. I need the Word of God. Okay, well then you come this morning and we'll be sharing the Word of God and then we'll pass that on to us. When you hear me talk about Brother Jeremy's ministry and his ministry of the Word, then you'll see that we are faithful about the Word of God, teaching the whole council, and so forth. I wanted to share in that vein, I took a note or three last week when Jeremy was talking, and basically he was... uh, sharing about his vision for preaching and talking about the gospel being planted and sending forth ministries or missionaries and, and so forth. Those kinds of things, folks, point to the Word of God. People don't go unless they have something to, to share. Would you walk up to somebody's house if you didn't know why you were there? If you weren't there to sell them shackley or give away the gospel or whatever, why would you go there? If you didn't want to welcome them to the neighborhood or just say hello, why would you go there? You go when you go with a purpose. Amen. Hopefully you don't just go, "Uh, you know what? I knocked on your door. I don't really know why I'm here, but see ya. Do we do that? Maybe that's what this fellow is thinking about with regard to our, some of our churches. Maybe we just talk about this or that, but wait a minute. If we're talking about the Word of God, then what are we talking about? Getting the Word of God out to other people. Building ourselves up like Paul was trying to build up Timothy, but building up the body of Christ so that we could go. Go and make disciples. Go and tell. But we have to know what we're talking about, right? You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to, you know, be involved in some, you know, honor, you know, uh, scripture memory verse society. You don't have to have any of that. You just have to have the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And now you have enough to share. And you can point them, point others to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. All right. There's a lot to share here, folks, and we'll continue on. Paul gives his charge to Timothy there in the middle of chapter 3. He says to Timothy, you know all about my teachings. 2 Timothy 3, beginning of verse 10. You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things have happened to me in all these places, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord has rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Take that to heart, Brother Jeremy. And you can take that to the bank. I'll tell you, uh, about 32 and a half years ago, there was a young minister that came to this church, fresh out of seminary, 28 years old, family, and basically said, you know what? Let's have a church council meeting. And in that church council meeting, I want the leaders from you know, the Sunday school training union, you know, the the, uh, the prayer committee teams, uh, you know, uh, women's missionary organization, the Brotherhood, and you know, just get one of these leaders from all, you know, the deacons, you know, the uh, uh, the whole thing, Sunday school director, treasurer, the whole nine yards. Let's gather around. And, and you know, no that hadn't happened in the presence of one of the uh, ladies he says, oh, I thought you were going to quit. That's what the Last pastor did, you know, when he gathered everybody around, you know, that's when he resigned. <laughs> I said, no, I just want to find out what's going on. Who's who in the zoo and what's getting done and who needs help. And let's figure out what we're doing here in the church. And so we went around. What's going on? You know, how are you doing? Do you have everybody to teach, you know, all the way around the room. And we get to the last guy. The last guy was a treasurer of the church. And I said, OK, so where do we stand financially? You know, what's going on? How, you know, how the books look and so forth. You stick to preaching, and I'll take care of the finances. Excuse me? I said, I, we, we need as a church to know what we have, what we're doing, where our ministries are going, what we're doing, You know how are we accountable, and all these kinds of things. Like I said, you stick to preaching, and I'll take care of the money. Wow. Kind of tough for a young guy that had only been here a couple of months when he was you know the men's Sunday school teacher, the go-to guy for anything, the biggest giver in the church, you know the you know the most educated of the men, you know chairman of the deacons he was the it basically and my wife and I know. how difficult that was in those early days because not only did he keep the, uh, uh, the, the books, he wrote the checks. And if you're a struggling family that's trying to get by and you go from basic to basic to basic and you're waiting five days, seven days, nine days for your check, you know, my wife is, honey, can't you say something? Can not we do something? Well, I've already asked them. And, you know, it's like, oh, we're begging. You should never have to go begging in the church of God. So many of you knew how, how um, uh, I mean, you knew what happened about a year later or so. We had another baby. The difficult times came with uh, my wife and I. We were going in the hole two to 300 a month. That's when we were getting paid on time Anyway. So we're going in the hole that much, and I can't continue to do that. Call the elders of the church again. Let's get together. Let's talk, and let's see. You know, So is there anything the church can do? And we said, well, you know, uh, I, but I'm going to take care of my family no matter what. I'd be worse than an unbeliever if I didn't. So I'm going to do that. But if the church can do something, great. We can continue on. If not, I'll have to work outside. So they conferred? Yeah, you can work outside. That's fine. Well, you know what happens with that one day, two days, three days. Eventually, I'm working full-time outside the church. It doesn't mean that I ever lost my heart for the church. It only means that I, got, uh, I had to be a tent maker like Paul, but I wasn't as good of a preacher as he was, or as bold as a teacher as he was, or as gifted as he was in his convictions. So there's been a lot of years that have entered, you know, that have been in between. And one of the things that I said to Jeremy at a very very early stage in his associate ministry here is we're going to make sure that you're taken care of and that that does not happen to you. And I've been his biggest cheerleader, and I'll continue to cheer for him because there's no way that somebody like him who leads his family well, somebody like him who's been faithful to his wife and faithful about the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ should have to uh, go outside and wonder how he's going to make it. How are we going to get by? How are we going to continue to minister? And we basically have brought him on full time, and praise the Lord for that. And may it continue. Uh, the The ministry that's here, you know, I believe will be um, will be will continue to be blessed. And will continue to grow, especially as we honor God with all of our resources, all of our time and so forth. All right. So Paul said how he was being persecuted. You saw how I was <laughs> uh, persecuted there. Gee, what is this, you know? Verse 13. And while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. Paul is sharing with Timothy for him to continue in what he's learned and become convinced of because you know that those you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. And obviously, he was talking about his mom and his grandma who were faithful about loving the Lord Jesus. And then he shares all Scripture, that passage we just shared. I want you to go to chapter 4 with me. Chapter 4 with me. So he tells him in verse 3, "...for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they will suit their own desires. They will gather around with great numbers of teachers to say whatever the itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to miss. But you, Paul is saying to Timothy, but you, keep uh, your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry." and when he's saying that he's meaning to do it faithfully faithfully discharge your duties in 1 Timothy chapter 4 I told you there was a charge there and you can see that that Paul tells Timothy command and teach these things and do not let anybody look down uh, on you because you're young but set an example for the believers in speech in, in life, and in love, and faith, and in purity. That's 1 Timothy 4. And now we're looking at verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching, and do not neglect the gift which was given to you through a prophetic message. When the body of elders laid their hands on you, be diligent, in these matters, give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress, watch your life and your doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And then the last charge in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Just as Paul shared that with Timothy, I share that with you, Brother Jeremy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. I give you this charge to preach the word, to be prepared in season and out of season, to correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. God bless us and may God bless our church as we continue to minister. I hope that I have been patient and somewhat loving That if God could show his grace and bring us to a time where we would accept his providence and his time and do with us each individually as he wills in his kingdom. May God bless First Baptist Church and may God bless the tutelage, the ministry, the patience and the endurance as well as instruction of Brother Jeremy. And all those who dare to teach, especially those who teach our little ones, you're old enough to know better. Those little ones just trust implicitly what you, the moms and dads, and men and women of First Baptist Church teach them. So do well. I say this. On this last message, as your senior pastor, God bless.